on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Oh, Utica. Big weekend coming up. It's Boilermaker weekend, baby. Doesn't get bigger than that. I love that uh, Born to Run is, you know, the song we come into every day because it's only the greatest song ever recorded in the history of American music, but very appropriate for Boilermaker weekend. Hope everybody is out and supporting the runners this weekend. The weather is supposed to be just picture perfect for running and then drinking beer or just drinking beer. If you're not doing the running part, but you should do some running to earn your beer. Either way, get out there, support those runners, have a good time, party it up, baby. Boilermaker weekend, always a terrific time in the Mohawk Valley. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app, which we appreciate wherever you are today on another gorgeous day. Here in Syracuse, 73 degrees. The air conditioner is getting the day off. We can crack the windows again. It's not, you know, not that we don't enjoy the easy, you know, lose three pounds walking, you know, three blocks because you sweat them off in the 95-degree weather. I mean, that's the bonus of that weather, but it kind of gets old after a while. So we're enjoying the Nice cooler weekend, about five uh, straight days here in central New York of sunny skies, 80-degree temperatures, and we're loving it, baby. So if you're listening somewhere where that is the case or wherever you are today on the ESPN app, we welcome you. And to listen on the app wherever you go, whatever you do, just download it, the ESPN app, on your smart device. Find the Listen tab and find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Utica Rome, and off you go. And we go with you. Except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. Here's how you get in touch with the show today. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. You can also use the On the Block text line to get in touch today. You got your face and your phone. You might as well fire off a hot take or two at us, right? That's hot. That's 315-288-0644. One more uh, piece of business before we get into the business of the show. I would like to wish a very happy birthday today. Big birthday shout out. To my lovely sister, Dina, who I am not going to say how old she is today, but I am going to say it's very close to 50. I've just, I'll, just get, I'll just let you use your imagination. It's very close to 50. And you know what they say? 50 is the new 40. At least that's what people tell themselves when they're getting old, like maybe my sister is. 
I'm just it's just near 50. It's around there. It's in the it's in it's in the neighborhood. I just you know I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but it's five zero. It's near there. It's, hear that knocking? You hear that knocking? I think you just rolled over a hill of some sort. Did your AARP membership come in the mail yet? Or you know that's that's coming. Senior discounts. Senior discounts are plenty. Can't wait to go to the movies with my sister. Get that senior discount. Fantastic. Here's what's happening on the show today, guest-wise. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that. Mark Medina is going to join us today right here in this hour. He is a Syracuse grad. He's a terrific NBA writer. It's been a while since we caught up with Mark, and shame on me for doing that. Mark's been on some other shows here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, but he covers the Warriors day in and day out, and with all the people freaking out out there because, oh, the NBA is so boring. We know it's going to win every year. Just stop it. Carmelo Anthony going to get a deal, the old stretch option. Get out of Oklahoma City, of course, LeBron James going to the Lakers. Mark used to cover the Lakers, covers the Warriors now, knows a lot about the ins and outs and the comings and goings in the National Basketball Association. So we will ask him about that in about 15 minutes when he joins us here on the program. Always good to catch up with a Syracuse grad who knows his hoops. Speaking of Syracuse people who know their hoops, uh, we are going to have Katie Kalinske on the show about an hour from now to kick off the 5 o'clock hour of the program. You know Katie, of course, the first female assistant coach in Syracuse basketball history, men's basketball history. She's got a new gig at UB, so we will certainly get her on, congratulate her about that, look forward to the future, and kind of get a opinion on how the Syracuse basketball squad will be next year, what she sees, what she knows, the jump that they can make, getting Tyus Battle back, how big that is. Speaking of getting bigger, apparently Americ Doljai grew an inch, as we learned today. So the tallest team in the country just got an inch taller. Oh, unfair advantage. Still growing. I didn't know that was in the rules, right? So we'll talk plenty of Syracuse hoops and hoops in general with uh, Katie Kalinske. West Jenny grad is going on to big things, and uh, we are very happy for Katie there. So looking forward to catching up with her. We'll talk a little SU football later in the show, you know, and how we're kind of focusing on the wrong thing. And it's hard not to focus on the big shiny object with Syracuse football, but, you know, we are focusing on the wrong thing. So we'll try to talk a little Syracuse football every day leading into training camp, which is about a month from today, including today. There is something that I have heard kind of rumored and bandied about, and then today apparently it took a big step closer, and that is Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson might be playing like a $10 million winner-take-all match, which just goes to show, like, how has it been this long and we have not done this? Because this is much more interesting than almost anything you can throw in front of me short of the Masters or the U.S. Open. Like, how has golf not done this? Like, their equivalent of, remember that old show, the old show baseball uh, home run derby, right? And they do the home run derby at the All-Star game, but they used to have a show called Home Run Derby. It was like old school. It was like Mickey Mantle against Willie Mays, right? And ESPN used to show it. I religiously watched this show. I loved Home Run Derby, and it was done in like the 1950s and 60s. That's like golf's version of home run derby, and I can't believe we've come this far. And they have match play, and they've, you know, the Turning Stone used to do this every year, right? Noah, Noah Begay would bring in players, and they'd do, but not like this for big-time cash money, homie. Speaking of which, 
Let's start with Carmelo Anthony because, man, you look at the money that the Oklahoma City Thunder are paying and now will be saving, thanks to Carmelo Anthony, for the right to basically be the fourth-place team at best in the Western Conference. It is fascinating. Now, they retained Paul George and paired him with Russell Westbrook, and maybe that's a team that can go a little further than people give him credit for, but when you have the Rockets... When you have the Warriors, of course, and now you have LeBron James with the Lakers, like what are you really playing for if you're Oklahoma City, the the Oklahoma City Thunder? And I give them credit for spending the money that they are and putting the resources into that city and that team that they do because, well, you're not in a huge market. You're in a city that is rapidly passionate about its basketball, but is rapidly passionate about its basketball because of the success the team has had, because of the stars that have been there some of which are now past tense, like Kevin Durant and James Harden, and think if they managed to keep those two together and add a Paul George and Russell Westbrook to the mix. But Russ is still there. Paul George is still there. They just re-signed Jeremy Grant to a three-year, $27 million deal, which ironically now leads in a small part to the impending departure of Carmelo Anthony. As Woj reports today, Uh, Oklahoma City and Carmelo Anthony are going to part ways this summer. It was a one-year experiment that clearly didn't work. Melo had some of the worst numbers he has ever had in his career and just looked like a player that was done this season. It was just not a fit. Both sides admit this. Both sides admit, hey, we gave it a shot, but it just wasn't a fit. Melo just did not really roll into what Oklahoma City wanted to do. He wants out. Sam Presti, their general manager, one of the best in the NBA, agrees, and they're going to amicably split here. But it's complicated because, remember, Carmelo Anthony smartly just opted in. He had a $28 million, you know, technically 27.9, we'll just round up, a $28 million option in his contract, which all of us would opt into. All of us would. What motivation would you have to say, nah, even though, I mean, Carmelo's made a decent chunk of change in his NBA career and now should just be in position to say, where can I go to win a championship? Where can I go to play a role in a championship team? And it is a secondary or maybe even a third role. It's not your part of something like LeBron with the Lakers is trying to do, what the Rockets are trying to chase, what Golden State is accomplishing now, and what Boston is trying to get to per Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward staying healthy. Mello will play a secondary reserve role somewhere. There will be interest in Carmelo Anthony. But I've said this before and I will say it again. The legacy of Carmelo Anthony is great scorer, fun player to watch, made a ton of money. The one thing he has left was to find a way to be on a contending team, which let's go back to a year ago. Being the third option, being somebody that, again, didn't have to lead the charge, but seemingly would be part of a, not quite a super team, but a well-constructed team on paper in Oklahoma City, could at least contend, could push, could be a team in the West that would matter. Well, obviously, it didn't work out that way. 
So now if I'm the Houston Rockets, if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, if I'm a team that, like Boogie Cousins just made a deal with Golden State, and Golden State might as well just sign Carmelo Anthony. I mean, let's get that joke out of the way. But if I'm one of those teams, it's like, okay, if I can come to a one-year deal, that's not going to cost me too much money. He can be somebody that can come in, take some pressure off of our score. I mean, the Lakers could use some scorers. They put all these players around LeBron James, and none of them can shoot. Houston could certainly use more punch off the bench. Look at last year when Chris Paul went down, and you just you can't be deep enough these days in the NBA. All these things pale in comparison though, to how this deal is going to get done. It's going to be fascinating to see the details of this because the numbers are just eye-popping. Oklahoma City is making this cut, is making this move to part ways because of the historic $310 million payroll and luxury tax bill. So the as Woj writes here, the massive financial implications of Anthony opting into his $27.9 million contract, coupled with a mutual understanding that a scaled-back role with the Thunder is not what he signed up for, have dictated that the two sides will part ways sometime this summer. Now listen to the numbers here. Oklahoma City can use the stretch provision on Anthony's $27.9 million contract to eliminate a staggering $107 million off the team's payroll and tax bill. But the Thunder first plan to pursue trade opportunities with teams looking to acquire a massive expiring deal to free up salary cap space for July of 2019 because next year's free agency class is going to be big as well. The stretch provision would slash $90 million in tax, dropping the Thunder's bill from $150 million to $60 million. The stretch provision, not the stretch bread provision, the stretch provision spreads Anthony's salary annually onto the Thunder's cap for $9.3 million over three years. I mean, the fact that they work out a deal, they might trade Anthony somewhere where that team will immediately waive him so he can become a free agent. Like, that's how this is going to work. He's going to get his money one way or the other. But everybody's agreed here, like, this isn't working, so let's figure out a way for everybody to be happy here. We save a bunch of money on the tax, on the salary cap. You go somewhere where maybe you're more of a fit and have a shot at a championship and, and you're happier where you're playing. Now, remember last summer when this was all going on, Mello had some personal things going on. He was going through a divorce and, you know, wanted to be closer to his kids. Coming off of that run in New York City, which, again, everybody knew it was time to go, it was time to... And that, that was not going to be a situation where he could contend and they were moving on. And so it seems like everybody gets to the point with Carmelo Anthony these days where everybody agrees it's not you, it's me. Let's just move on. So let's table the question I was about to ask and we'll ask our next guest this. And that is, what is a good fit for Carmelo? What adjustments does he have to make? Because as I noted in that story, everybody agreed, like, these roles didn't mesh. So where does he mesh? What kind of player is he these days? We're going to bring on Mark Medina coming up, our buddy from the Mercury News. He covers the Golden State Warriors day in and day out, so there's a lot to talk about there, but certainly knows a lot about the league and the dynamics and the big-time free agency that every summer seems to bring in the league. So more on this coming up, Mello's future and uh, some NBA you know, free agency, summer league talk. 
Grayson Allen, it took him, you know, about 15 minutes to do Grayson Allen things in Summer League. The NBA Summer League. It's fantastic. Here comes an elbow. So we'll get Mark on and do all that next. We'll hear from Katie Kalinske later in the show. We'll talk some football. Tiger versus Phil. We'll do hot takes as usual. And head into the weekend strong here. You are on the block, ESPN Radio. Great to have you here on this Friday afternoon. We're back right after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks again to our friend Mark Medina. Mercury News talking some NBA with us. Uh, We will put that interview up on ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. We do that with all of our interviews. So you can listen to them on your time on demand as you can listen to the show on demand. How do you do that? Very easy. Just go to iTunes or Google Play, find ESPN Syracuse, hit that subscribe button, and we will send you a podcast version of this program or the Daniel Baldwin Show, Orange Nation when it's in season, or any of our live programs you hear during the week. Do the podcast thing, baby. Listen on demand. By the pool this weekend, hanging out in the beautiful weather for now. With that fancy open, let's hot take this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. So... I'm leaving a window of hope open here that common sense prevails and that if and when, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And Lindsey Kramer wrote about this a bit on Syracuse.com today that, you know, the Syracuse Chiefs eventually are going to change their nickname when they announced that the Mets were taking over next season. You know, it pretty much came, out, the cat came out of the bag then. Didn't Governor Cuomo, like, call them the Syracuse Mets? And people are like, well, are you just saying that? Or is that the official name change? So Lindsay wrote about it. You can get kind of some of the details of where this is going. And basically, they are making plans for it now. Would have to have filed everything to all the new uniforms and the merchandise and everything ready to go. Need a lot of time to prep that stuff and do it. But if it's just the Syracuse Mets, which I have a suspicion it will be, what an epic fail that would be. How boring, how bland, how just, you know, let's think of the most boring thing we can do in a sport that thrives on being exciting, being different, promotions, and, you know, one of the more successful name changes in all of minor league baseball took place right here last summer and is taking place again this summer with the Salt Potatoes. And I'm not saying that they have to permanently name the team Salt Potatoes, but what I'm telling you is the Mets are boring. Minor League Baseball is about rumble ponies and the making whoopee and, you know, like crazy nicknames like that that sell T-shirts and hats and jerseys. And, you know, I always think when I go to Cooperstown, and there's those great stores in Cooperstown that have all the hats of all the minor league teams, and certainly you can find the stuff online today, but people go and they just buy these hats because, like, what is that? That That's just, I got to have that. The muck dogs, right? Or there's so many names I could, I could rattle off here. If you're just the Mets, what are you doing? And they have done such a great job over there of, of you know, promotions and, and different things and kind of reviving things in a way, but... You're taking a step backward, in my opinion, if, in fact, that's going to be the name change. So it kind of popped in my head again here today when 
Lindsay wrote that story. It's like, oh yeah, what's up with that? When's that going to happen? And apparently, you know, it's going. They've got to announce it at some point. So do you wait till after the season to ride that wave? Because if and when they do, it will be the first mistake the Mets make as the owners of the Syracuse Chiefs. Either keep the name the same and ride what you have in history and what you have established. But if you're going to change it, don't just make it the Mets. So that's hot. Maybe things are done. Maybe it's heading that way. As we said, Governor Cuomo already called them that. But I'm going to leave open the window of hope that somebody says, wait a minute here. That's boring. That's not what minor league baseball is. That's going to hurt us more than it's going to help us. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's get more creative here. Speaking of things that were, I'll I'll file this in the creative category. It's just mind-blowing. So Ryan Leaf revealed this the other day. So he talked about this on the Rich Eisen Show. He put it on Twitter. It's a letter that, remember Hunter S. Thompson, one of the great writers we've ever seen. Used to write for Page 2 ESPN, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I mean, the guy's one of the great writers of of this or any generation. Hunter Thompson was a big sports fan. And apparently once upon a time, he wrote a letter to Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. This was 20 years ago about Ryan Leaf. We all remember the epic fail that that 1998 draft was from the standpoint of Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf. The Colts made the right choice at the time. The Chargers did not. Knock it off, right? And Ryan Leaf was here in this studio. What was that, Seth? Like a month ago he was here doing his Sirius XM show. And the redemption story he has is incredible. He overcame depression. He overcame substance abuse. He now counsels people on these things. And he's turned things around. He is a true success story. Of He was just, his life could not have bottomed out more. And Ryan Leaf has turned things around. So he reveals this letter. I just and I saw this and like this can't be real. This is one of those things. Somebody made it up. It's from the onion or it's you know, you got to be careful about things like this that you spot, particularly on social media these days. But this was verified. This was a real letter that Hunter S. Thompson sent to Jim Ursay 20 years ago saying this. And I quote, this is the letter. Dear James, in response to your addled request for a quick 30 million dollar loan to ensure the services of the Manning kid. I have to say no at this time, but the Leaf boy is another matter. He looks strong and Manning doesn't, or at least not strong enough to handle that, quote, welcome to the NFL business for two years without a world-class offensive line. How are you fixed at left offensive tackle for the next few years, James? Think about it. You don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in. Okay, let me know if you need some money for Leaf. I expect to be very rich when this debt movie comes out. Uh, your faithful consultant, Hunter. Now, the letter was CC'd, by the way, to ESPN head John Walsh and Johnny Depp, that Johnny Depp, who was in the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Of course, Hunter Thompson, a journalist and author, first rose to prominence with the publication of Hell's Angels in 1967, but he's probably best known for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas which was made into a movie twice, by the way, Depp being the second one, and that's the Depp money he's talking about. This windfall of cash he's going to get from this Johnny Depp movie. He's like, let me know if you need it for Ryan Leaf, but for that Peyton Manning kid, no thanks. Like, 
mind blown here. Just absolutely mind blown. The stuff that shows up. Why in all of his years as a sports writer, maybe he did and we just forgot about it, but why did Hunter S. Thompson like never reveal this? Never say like, yeah, I offered Jim Irsay $30 million to help out with that Leaf boy. <laughs> and this is how strong opinions were back in the day that Ryan Leaf was the better choice over Peyton Manning. Think of some of the great quarterback debates in history. You know, Drew Bledsoe and Rick Meyer at the top of, what was that, 92 that draft was, 92-93. When there's two quarterbacks up for debate, the ones that become successful versus the ones that become all-time busts. It's amazing to see this. You know, Jamarcus Russell could throw a football 70 yards on his knees, apparently, but it was just one of the all-time busts in NFL history. I'm just, my mind is just churning in so many different ways here that Hunter S. Thompson just like casually sent a letter to Jim Irsay. And it's perfect that it's Jim Irsay, by the way, the owner of the Colts, who's a little different, we'll say. Yeah, with the Johnny Depp movie. That's hot. Let's go get that uh, that Ryan Leaf kid. Oh, how history could be different. I, I'm fascinated by what ifs. I, I have thought about writing books. I'm serious about this, about writing books about some of the great what ifs in sports history. Don't take my idea. Or you're going to owe me. I trademarked it. Billion dollars. That's one of the ultimates, though. Any what if has to include what if the Colts took Ryan Leaf instead of Peyton Manning? Would things be different? Because as we know, Ryan Leaf had issues. Ryan Leaf was not a natural leader. He had substance abuse issues later on in life. He, he didn't deal with the pressures of the locker room well whereas Peyton Manning was one of the ultimate leaders in that category. The fact that you have in that draft, which is now 20 years ago, and it's amazing to think about, one of the greatest leaders in football history who could process information, read defenses, became the example of prep and film watch, and one of the smartest quarterbacks ever versus one of, you know, no offense to Ryan because we like Ryan Leaf now, but one of the biggest dopes the NFL's ever had, one pick apart shows you the crapshoot that the NFL draft really is. And think about that. They scout these guys all year. They watch film to their eyes bleed. They go to their games. All these scouts sit in rooms and have these discussions, and they don't know Jack. They really don't. It's like it's almost a coin flip at a time. Four three seven seventy six forty four. Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line. Two eight eight zero six four four. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Katie Kalinsky set to join us top of the hour. Really looking forward to that. We'll reflect on our time at Syracuse, talk about her new gig at Buffalo, and she'll give us a little sneak peek at how Syracuse basketball will look next season, particularly with Tyus Battle coming back. We'll talk a little SU football next hour, plus Tiger versus Phil. $10 million on the line. It's all happening, baby. Billion dollars. No, Coach, not quite that much, but... This, I am now like, I'm in. Like, this has got to happen. This reminds me of, it became, it started out, I should say, as like a, a dopey, like Batman versus Superman discussion. And then Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather actually got in a ring and fought each other. I am now at this point with Tiger, Phil, $10 million match. Like, if this does not happen now, I'm going to be disappointed. So we'll discuss that coming up all on this beautiful Friday afternoon here in central New York. Hang in there. We're back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.